Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code UnluckyFrogIsAwesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host Ben Porter, joined by my co-host Charlotte Porter. Hello. And today on the podcast we are joined by Dave Morris and Jamie Thompson of Fabled Lands Publishing. How are we doing, gents? Good evening. It is I. Greetings, wormlings. <clears throat> we have deigned to be with you. That's Jamie. And hi, Ben and Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, Dave will be Dave will be normal (laughs) so for the benefit of the tape Jamie's the horrible one and the most most evil rather than horrible the most evil okay (laughs) there we go we'll make sure to get that in the blurb so that people Jamie uh, most evil Thompson if we made if we made a biographical movie we'd have to get Andy Serkis to do motion capture for Jamie (laughs) as Jabba the Hutt yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's the image you should have, really. Yeah. Oh, okay. that, is, that is grotesque. <laughs> so, um, you chaps have published a number of choose your own adventure books over the years, haven't you? Between us, about 50 or 60, I suppose. Yeah, quite a lot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the reason that, that we found out about you is because you recently. Uh, had a bit of a departure from the usual uh, sword and sorcery fair, didn't you? Well, who knows? It might be going into that for all we know. Yes, uh, yeah. it's more of a fantasy now. <laughs> but I wish it was. So anything we used to write. But we thought, you know, having what was the pur- what's the purpose of us on this world? You know, we thought, and having got this utterly useless skill of writing uh, choose your own adventure game books, uh, except you know, cometh the hour. Um, Brexit came along and we thought well why don't we tackle that as a choose your own where you can play the Prime Minister and run through various Brexit options Um, Mm -hmm. and then you know that sounds like a great idea but we had to plunge into about a year of research that was quite mind boggling although nothing like as horrific as reality so uh, we we covered a whole lot of especially Dave did most of, of the book and I helped with some research and some comedy lines here and there but what became apparent was how truly complex Brexit really was and also mm-hmm. I suppose I'm going to be uh, biased about it now but also how crazily damaging everything was I mean, we tried to make it amusing so it's a fun sort of story about the purpose of being the Prime Minister is entirely to remain in power by the end of Brexit um, I think there is a way of remaining but mostly it's incredibly hard in fact the only, the only way you can remain in fact is, is if you 
is it, it, it's kind of an Easter egg because you have to call a second referendum and it's the only route that gets you to uh, no Brexit, in fact. And the, you're continually facing leadership challenges along the way. And lots of things that we, well, Dave predicted would happen in the book have happened. But recently it's gone off into a kind of surreal other area. Yeah, because we, we wanted to cover, you know, at the time of the referendum, which was when we started researching it, there were all these different models for Brexit, like the Norway model and the Turkey model and Canada Plus. And so we wanted really to uh, let the player try all of those different things and see what results they got in terms of different metrics like um, goodwill with the rest of the world and economy and, and, and authority within their party. But I suppose the meta game really is that none of those things work if you don't remain in power. So it was really a way of showing you not only what the reality of all these different factors, trade and, and, and immigration and so on are, but also what the politics that actually drives the choices they're making. You know, why, why would Theresa May pick quite a hard Brexit almost immediately as her red lines? And of course, it's a political reason, not a any kind of real sensible governmental reason seems to be all about keeping the tory party together yeah which is kind of reflected in the book i don't know how familiar you are with game books but we're also really quite proud of the structure of it because it's it's kind of dave managed to put together this um a sense of time passing as you play the game book um and different things that you can do at different times have quite different outcomes that happen much later on so uh, or early so from the point of view of the usual flow charting that we would do for most of our game books in the past this is an incredibly complicated um yeah. piece of choose your own adventure but for the reader joy of it is pretty simple you just mark a few things in boxes and tick off a few code words here and there years ago we were working in the video games industry and one of our coders was looking at some of our books and I said what do you think and he just said it's the mystery is that you've managed to get any sort of processing power out of a piece of paper <laughs> really it's the kind of code that you can put into a book people like a physical book but it's coming up with things like in this case we had to have a, a turn counter section effectively that keeps track of how far you've gone through the book and you really have to wrangle every little bit it's like trying to i don't know use a spectrum computer to get uh you know a spaceship to mars or something it's really quite hard to figure out the the little um exploits that you can do to capture that in a book is cool too because brexit essentially is like a time limited game you're racing against the clock if it was a board game yeah. and there are a few cards you can play at the end that extend the end of the game if you're lucky but You've got to try and get everything done before. Uh, I can't remember, though, in the book whether you can delay. I think it assumes that you've already done Article 50 at day one, doesn't it? Yes, it starts the day after you've declared Article 50. I think you wake up screaming, yeah. thinking, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was the first of many, many mistakes. To have a crisis like this with the worst government, probably of living memory, um, yeah, it's really surprising. But we did think at the same time, a game like this, a book like this is not going to be, it shouldn't just be a polemic. So although we are both Remainers, um, it's perfectly possible to play it and get a reasonably sensible Brexit. And uh, some of my friends who are leavers have played it and also appreciate that, you know, it's 
is trying to present a balanced viewpoint. The, a lot of the comedy might be a little bit uh, Remainer orientated, probably, <laughs> but the actual yeah. game itself is, I think, plays fair with the reader. We had some fun with the names. Yes. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> I thought, one of the things that um, you're absolutely right in that, that you guys have, have been able to, to create that um, that sense of time passing. One of the things that I, I found horrifying was that um, some of the issues that you, if you don't prioritise them, some people go ahead and tackle them for yeah. you and more often than not do it abysmally. Yeah. Well, you could have somebody like David Davis working for you and, you know, it'd be a catastrophe, wouldn't it? So that's what happens. <laughs> horrifying. Now, I, I've, I've not played through the whole of the book yet. Um, and I've not played it, but I have no. enjoyed hearing Ben's experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... I'm I'm a good way through it now, and I, I actually have my my statistics here, and I thought oh, yeah. I would read them out, okay. and you guys could uh, critique okay. my performance. <laughs> All right, so my authority, which I believe is the statistic that determines like uh, how obedient the, mm -hmm. the party is, yeah. is that right? Yeah, forty-five yeah. percent. Okay. Well, not too bad. Because I think you start at fifty-two percent, and so it hasn't gone slipped too far yet. I think. I think that's yes. more than May has at the moment. Yeah, yeah, she's I probably in her twenties. I'm doing better than Teresa. And, and I think you know, you, you sensibly you make a um, a sort of concession to lose a little bit of authority um, in order to get a Brexit that unifies the whole country. Because you can you can put your authority up, but at the expense of having a more and more polarising and divisive set of policies. Yeah. So I think you're probably on the right track there. Yeah. That also, I think authority is uh, reads how much Tories like you. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, does it really matter? <laughs> so uh, economy, uh, which is how well the economy is performing uh, under my leadership, right? Forty-two mm percent. -hmm. Not too bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not yet um, queues at the ports and rationing medicine anyway, so room to get yeah. worse, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, not quite apocalypse, but getting there. Getting there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, goodwill, which is my relationship with Europe, yeah. um, uh, 22%. Okay. Well. So that's kind of like where we are now. Well, the authority would be much lower. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I think May's, May's actually then... playing it to get minimum stats. Because uh, I think there's multiple playthroughs to give all the possible permutations. Uh, yeah. Do things in different order. And we had to figure out what the possible stats would be. And uh, of course, you yeah. could play it to see can I get the absolute minimum? And I think that's, you know, certainly what seems to be happening at the moment. Do you think Amazing. she thinks there's an achievement for tanking the game as badly yeah. as you can? A steam achievement. Yeah, yeah she's, she's, she's got the prospect of, of staying in power and she knows she's not going to go into the next election, so the mm. only thing to do is mm. go down in history as the absolute worst. <laughs> yeah, well, she's doing a great job of that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So the, my last statistic is popularity, which is how well... I'm received by the electorate. Seventy-two percent. Oh, oh, people love well. you. Yeah. yeah, you can post on that. No matter what else happens, really, that, yeah. that'll keep you going. 
all the rest yeah. can just yeah we'll go yeah. into the apocalypse but as long as the people so are happy the, the way I've yeah. been playing it is I've been I've been taking quite a firm hand with both my party and the, yeah. the European ambassadors and I think that seems to resonate well with the British public mm. sounds like you're going for the best Daily Mail headlines you've got <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like what's happening you've got the UKIP crew well up Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the fascists yeah, are flocking fashion. to my banner. That's what you want. Like, should I be worried? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not no spoilers, but later on it's possible. I don't know if you've got to it that you may have a leadership challenge. And the irony is, no matter how popular you are in the rest of the country, all that matters if there's a leadership challenge is how popular are you with Tory party members and the MPs. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's a it's a fine line, really. Okay. So I'm not home free yet. Nope. <laughs> Toad will challenge you. <laughs> or, who's Boris Johnson? I forget. Peter Struhl. Peter Struhl, that's it. Yes, from Struhl-headed Peter. Yeah. With all the shock of blonde hair. Do you remember the German nursery rhyme? Yeah. That's Bojo. Yeah. Flock of hair. Yeah. Yeah. But I've noticed that, yeah. uh, that Boris Johnson has started, not that he's in any way related to Peter Strawn, I don't know why I mentioned Boris Johnson, but um, <laughs> yeah. he has started combing his hair and he's lost a bit of weight. Oh. So I think he's going for the leadership. That's that's all that counts. Oh. And, and his ability to quote, you know, uh, Thucydides in the original Greek, uh, the only thing he thinks matter for a prime minister. So, But I just, I, Boris Johnson, I would just, if he's going to go for Prime Minister, I still want him to get up to his antics like when he was in the zip wire and he got, you know, yeah. that's what I want from my Prime Minister. I, I feel like Boris Johnson is a bit like if, if Mr Blobby wished to be a real boy. Yeah. I just imagine him zip lining into the UN. <laughs> yeah, <woo. laughs> in a Blobby suit. <laughs> <laughs> With his That'd Union Jack flags. Uh, I, d I did have a burning question about a particular character okay. in the game. Th throughout throughout the game, you get the opportunity to consult uh, various experts uh, with regards to um, particular policies. Uh -huh. um, w without spoiling too much, um, you end up speaking to a young girl. Oh, that's my favourite advisor. She's the she's the daughter of the. Um, of the international trade minister, I think, isn't she? That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she was great. Was there a particular reason you decided to to have a a, a youngster? I just thought, you know, if you were, in fact, um, again, that the international trade minister in the book need not have been Liam Fox, but um, if if you were the son or daughter of somebody like that, uh, how mad would you think they were? And you know. Uh, I think the average teenager is probably better informed than some of the actual Brexit ministers. So I just wanted to get that point across in some way. Yeah, the, the twelve-year-old schoolgirl knows more about certain issues than some of the ministers we've heard opining yeah. on things. Well, we saw it with the uh, Scottish referendum because I don't know if you know. For the Scottish referendum, they lowered the voting age to sixteen. Yeah. yeah. And there was there was so many young people that were like, "Well, what, why? You know, what, what does it mean?" Um, mm -hmm. Whereas some of the older generation were just kind of like, oh, well, it's not that important, really. It's just a vote. Whereas mm -hmm. I think they felt that actually, no, this is, we're in charge of our own destiny, potentially, at this, and we want to know what we should, you know, what we're voting yeah, for. What does that involve? What does that look like? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and do you, I'm going to, uh, just reversing it for a moment, do you guys think 
there will be another referendum and if so if it was held tomorrow how would it go a referendum on Scottish, Scottish independence, independence. Yeah. Um, I, I have no idea how it would go if it was held tomorrow um, it's a strange thing yeah. in a sense that being in the EU makes an independence vote more possible because yeah. if, if Scotland had voted independent and both Scotland and England were in the EU it makes no real difference because they're both members so you don't have to have border controls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but in another sense, I think there was a great worry from about economic damage from splitting with Britain, yeah. with England, which there probably would have been. But given that um, after Brexit, England, Great Britain will go into recession, probably, maybe. There will be economic damage. So yeah. that, that argument could then be countered because the Scottish independent movement might just be able to say, well, what difference does it make? We're going to have a load of economic damage, but if we leave the UK, we can rejoin the EU and yeah. probably we recover. Leave, and sort of leave on our terms, kind of yeah. thing. Um, because the Brexit vote is, is largely an English nationalist thing, or at least that's where the, why it went that way, yeah. I mean, arguably, um, instead of a Scottish independence vote, there should simply be a kick England out of the UK vote. Because, you know, England just wants to go its own way. <coughs> And then, and up, so I would be happy with this as long as London could become, bear with me on this, could become a Scottish city. Because <laughs> if that works, then basically the rest of England can have the, the, the world they want and all the rest of us could just continue as normal. Edinburgh will still be the capital and London will be a minor town <laughs> in Scotland. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but then planes would have to go back and forth between Scotland and London and they'd fly over the, the primitive, uncivilised lands below. Yeah, it would be like Escape from New York if you went down yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, the advantage of this is, you know, the, you've, already got, you've already got Hadrian's Wall, so you just need yeah. to build that up a little bit higher. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, this time from the other side, and you've already got the, mm. the barrier there, so that would work. We could consult... Uh, Trump yes, on the construction on the of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he you only need about 85 miles of wall as opposed to how many thousands <laughs> to But I suppose there's the issue of uh, ladders, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, how yeah. do we Grapplin counter hooks. that? Yeah. Also yeah. planes. <laughs> planes is a problem. Yeah, digging underneath <laughs> as well. Mm. I, I suppose that, that, that brings me on to... Um, Another uh, subject, and that's um, you, you mentioned just there about how a lot of what's happened under Trump is stuff that that was done years ago in parody. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. I, and I know a lot yeah. of people that have um, been been writing uh, for Trump, or you know, they've been writing a game where he's featured, and they've come up with uh, a scenario that oh, it'd be really funny if he did that, and then he's gone and actually done it, and then they've had to go back yeah. to the drawing board because it's no longer satire. It's just. I I think he must have hired the guys who write for The Onion to do all of his policy and speeches because it's literally madder than anything that they ever parody. You can't do satire. But maybe it's like entirely psychological thing because, you know, they say on a sort of micro scale that if somebody's bullying you or being mean to you, take ownership mm -hmm. of what they're using against you. Maybe he's just going right. around and acting out all these things. Do you know, so the, hor he's got the horrible power. thing about that is that I don't think he's that clever. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it can't hurt me anymore because I've already gone and done it. Yeah. So it's fine. Just own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. own it. Yeah. 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 Didn't they do a satirical episode of The Simpsons? <gasps> Exactly. Well, he was yeah, elected. Yeah, yeah. He did. Yeah. 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 And then and, uh, Dave just mentioned about the the wall thing, but yeah. I, I say that to say, um, did you not struggle with that a bit with the the can you Brexit book? Because because like, like you guys have seen, you've tried to be a bit tongue in cheek with it, but a lot of the stuff I, I think it's almost beyond parody. What's happened? Yeah. Well, it wasn't getting quite that bad. You know, we pu- we published that over a year ago i think now or getting on for a year ago we, we sent it out to to publishers just before christmas um you know a year and a bit ago so and at that stage we were genuinely thought you know well it's not going to go to um no deal and even in our no deal scenario there's nobody saying oh let's actually break our international treaties and not pay money that we've already agreed to pay in or anything like that so so none of the real extremism was on display and we considered no deal as like the the absolute worst that nobody in their right mind would go for. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's become much worse since, I think. Yes, it's like everything that has happened up till a couple of months ago could happen in the book. And it was very well, so solidly predictive in that sense, we, we got everything right. But since then, it's just gone unpredictably bonkers. So nobody could really have possibly anticipated how what, the way it's turned which was surprising and depressing. I, I mm. saw the whole scenario summed up perfectly um, by a painting that Jim O'Painted did. Um, and it's uh, it's Theresa May, Jacob Rees-Mogg and Boris Johnson in the back of a Union Jack limousine being driven by Prince Philip. And they're, 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 driving, <laughs> they're driving off the White Cliffs of Dover uh, well, uh, well, Theresa May throws Jeremy Corbyn's severed head up into the air. Yeah. I think yeah. that yeah. actually it's yeah. yeah, yeah. And and that's not even a cartoon. That's like an accurate depiction of where we are now. So yeah. it's strange. Yeah. I, I, we were thinking at one point of doing a, a Trump one because you know the character of Trump in the book or the the president of the US is President Windrip. Yeah. Which was kind of a gift because it's the name of the president in Sinclair Lewis's novel, It Can't Happen Here, which he wrote in the 30s. And he made the president, President Windrip, who was kind of a a, a populist. Uh, I suspect he was thinking of people, what if we had somebody like Hitler? And he, he wrote this thing. He was a Nobel Prize winning writer, but he wrote this thing in six weeks flat as a warning to the voters, don't elect a populist like this. And... We thought, well, okay, we'll use Windrip. And Windrip, like Trump, you know, could be a fart. So it's just like one of those nice little serendipitous things. Um, so we, we've talked quite a bit about about the Brexit book. So, But what do you gents typically uh, work on for Fabled Lands? Well, Jamie, do you want to explain what Fabled Lands, what makes it different from other books? Well, they're very, well they were a kind of natural progression of all of the game books we'd written in the past from fighting fantasy to ninjas and all the rest we came finally came with a kind of open world go wherever you like computer game without a computer but with lots of short little descriptive paragraphs to create a vast well adventuring world of eventually it'll be 12 books but at the moment there are seven and I don't know how familiar you are with game books, but, but uh, if you imagine it, you might come to a port. It's all sort of fantasy, but 
sort of ironic, witty fantasy rather than Lord of the Rings stuff. Sure. And um, you might say, take a boat to another city across the, the sea, and that takes you to a paragraph number in another book. So all the books, Ooh. all these seven books, interconnect with each other. That's really And we cool. also wanted to get a, a sense of the, you affecting the world so you could change the world. So if, for instance, I go and um, decide to destroy you know, Dave's family. <laughs> wow. Or some characters I wrote based, based on Dave. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So then I go into and I kill them all. <laughs> then I record that, uh, a code word. And that recognises that I've gone to this particular place, burnt it down, killed everyone there. The next time I go there, I'm rooted to another paragraph where the spectral ghosts of Dave haunt me still. And uh, you can see the embers burning slowly in the dying light kind of thing. So the world changes as you as you travel. So you feel like what you do affects things. So if you do a mission for a king, say, and it involves winning a war, the next time you go back, the results of that will have will be there for you to do. Yeah, it's, part of, it's because we thought so many game books, including things like Can You Brexit, have a, a single narrative through line, as it were, and you, you can you can interact a little bit, but you're running on those rails. And we really like in our role playing, I like to be able to say to players, here's the map, where do you want to go? And they, they can mount an expedition anywhere and I'll improvise stuff as they go. And we wanted that feeling in a game book. So so you can start Fabled Lands and you could you could be you could be an explorer who just wants to map the place, or you could be a trader, or you could be a priest and you want to convert people to your religion or you can choose what kind of character you want to be, and then you can go back and forth around the world, revisiting places. Mm. You know, you can buy goods somewhere, sail to another book, sell those, buy something else, have adventures, come back, get quests. So there's lots of little quests as you go. And so it's much more like playing something like Skyrim or The Witcher, where there's, in fact, it's actually more free, I suppose, because even with The Witcher, there's a, there's a central main plot line that you're yeah. following, and this is completely free form. It's a bit more like the old Conan books, in a way. You follow his story, and he has various missions going on, but uh, adventures and quests. But the whole there's a sense that there's a whole living, breathing world around him, and that stuff is going on that's nothing to do with him. Yeah, uh, um, and that's what we wanted to create in, in the Fabled Lands, yeah, which I think we've done. Yeah, yeah. And game books generally sort of died out in the nineties yeah. when computer games came along. Um, and then there was a period of sort of a darth. But recently, um, there have been a lot of guys who loved them when they were kids, and they're sort of 30 or 40 now with kids of their own, and they've been funding Kickstarters, and uh, game books have been, sort of come back, and they've been republished, and they're not nearly as hugely successful yeah. as they were, but they still sell enough, well enough for um, mainstream publishing to, um, to republish some of them. And then they reach people like Charlie. Charlie Brooker that did the um, the Bandersnatch. Yeah. Bandersnatch. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. Have you seen it? No. I haven't. No. I've seen the the rest of the Black Mirrors, but not yeah, that one. It's it's good. Um, I would go as far to say as far as to say that um, I think it's revolutionary um, as mm -hmm. far as uh, interactive entertainment and. Uh, Films yeah. melding into one. Yeah. Okay, um, we should have a look. Yeah, and yeah, I, we I dare say we'll see a little bit more of that sort of thing in the future. Yeah. And I'm quite excited mm -hmm. for what it means. And I, I think that I think for 
uh, if you're interested in the way that stories are told, it almost doesn't matter whether or not you actually like the Bandersnatch story. It's mm-hmm. just interesting to see. To engage with, with yeah. it, to have the yeah. say in it. Yeah. To see how that kind of yeah. thing is, is evolving and yeah. uh, bleeding into... Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's been another change for us because you know we've usually done our game books on, you know, physical print form, <clears throat> but a few years ago, I did a uh, an app game book, a retelling of Frankenstein, in which um, it's structured like a game book, kind of under the hood, but it gave me much more power than a, a print book could because um, effectively you uh, you play the the confidant of Victor Frankenstein. So he's telling you the story and from time to time he'll ask you what you think he should do. But it's also building up a level of trust. Like when you suggest things, do they work out well or not? So there can be points in the book where he'll turn around and just say, you always tell me to do the wrong thing and I'm not listening to you. So you you suddenly find it's a relationship you've got going. It's like me and Dave. (laughs) (laughs) But, But also because you can change the text in an app so much more easily, it meant that when you first when he first creates the creature depending on whether you encourage him to think of it as a person or as a thing it the whole of the rest of the book either refers to the creature as it or as he yeah. and that completely changes the way that you and and victor frankenstein feel about it um in a way that i couldn't do in a print book because i'd have to pick one of those one two or the other mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. It's that idea of uh, melding media yeah. again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I th- I've, I've been thinking of doing a print version of it because people, you know, obviously, a lot, particularly a lot of game book fans, because they're in their <clears throat> 40s and older, will say, oh, couldn't you just, I just like books. You know, they don't really want to look at digital stuff. So I thought, well, it won't, it won't be, it'll only be like half the experience or less, but I'd rather give them half the experience than they don't see it at all because I think particularly the pro- the well not the problem but one of the the main challenges in interactive fiction is engaging you emotionally and not letting you become authorially detached you know there can be a risk that you're just picking outcomes without feeling directly and viscerally connected so which was why in frankenstein i didn't make it that for most of the book it's not you are doing something you're advising the character who's talking in first person just so that because you can connect to what's happening to him without you worrying all the time who am i supposed to be in all of this so but but there are many you know there's all so many different ways that we can do interactive stories that i think are very interesting mm. <clears throat> now yeah i i think that um just uh, as we're talking about other media um have you got have either of you guys played red dead redemption 2 God, don't mention that. <laughs> I want to play that so so much, but I, I haven't. I've got a PS3. I've just got a PC. You know, so it's been waiting for been years waiting for, for the PC. Red yeah. Redemption One version, but they they never they ended up not doing that. I don't think they're going to do it for the second one. Without a, a word of exaggeration, I, I think it is one of the the most engrossing mm. and emotional stories that I've ever experienced. I have to buy an Xbox. Yeah, no, I'm going to I'm gonna have to get you one for your birthday or something now because we have to play it. And, guess, um, guess what he got for me for my, oh, yes. my 60th birthday? What did he get? He you? got together with a bunch of um, my mates and they all 
put it together for a 260 pound bottle of whiskey. Ooh. A 21 year old Springbank is six pounds mm -hmm. a sip. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so I sit there sneering at everyone else. Yes. So how, you how, can't afford this. <laughs> how far have you Actually, got through the bottle? Well, there's about a third left. I, I just have, I realized one night, I, I thought I'd have a whiskey now. And I was, it was quite late on a Saturday night. I was already drunk. It was a terrible waste. Yeah. So oh, all I, Lord, you should not be drinking it if you're drunk. Only You've once. I just did that once. To save it. So now, okay. at the beginning of a, an evening where I'm going to be drinking, I'll have a little whiskey early on, a couple of... A wee dram. Really, a wee dram. A wee dram. That's the yeah. phrase, yeah. And it's <laughs> actually good for delicious. It is really good. You really do notice the difference. But is it really worth 267 quid? I don't know. Yeah. Well... Yeah. We've covered everything from Brexit to game books to whiskey, but um, I think we, we've just about run yeah. out of time. But before okay. we depart, for those of our audience who are interested in Dave Morris and Jamie Thompson and Fabled Lands, where should they go? Uh, we have a website called Spark Furnace, which is our sort of our web store which kind of tells about all of our different game books and related stories. And there's also jamiethompson.com, which has things that we don't think are good enough to go on to Spark Furnace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you can play a game book for free on there as well, can't you? The, the Heart of Ice. Yeah. yeah, you can play a complete game book for free. So. Oh, and we've got a, a blog, Fable Land. If people just look for uh, Fable Lands on blogger um they'll find uh, we constantly uh, every couple of weeks we'll have some game book or role-playing um piece and then uh people come and have a chat so come and you know if anybody wants to come and have a chat with us that's the place to do it it's also discuss computer games and game design and hmm. anything to do with games and role-playing and game books and stuff yeah. yeah you will find all the links in the blurb so yes as well yeah. so have a look. yes yeah. But, uh, Jamie, Dave, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, yeah. yeah. And for our listeners, wherever you are, thank you also for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs> Hi, guys, it's uh, Josh from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast here. Thanks for listening to us, and now be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for the Unlucky Frog Gaming. Uh, you can also show your support for Unlucky Frog through Patreon. Be sure to check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com, to find out more. Was that so hard? <laughs> um, look. Look. <laughs>